0: And enter code no girls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com/slash no girls, code no girls.
3: Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control. Enter Conair GirlBomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. ConAir Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair GirlBomb. Available at ConairGirlBomb.com or a retailer near you.
0: There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. This is a live show taped from the Digital Void Festival in Brooklyn, New York. Digital Void is an internet literacies collective exploring digital technology, media, and culture. And there, I got to speak to writer and cultural critic Ashley Reese about what brought her to the internet and the role it plays in her life and work. So please enjoy.
2: This is a live podcast recording of There Are No Girls on the Internet. And... Bridget Todd is the creator and host of iHeartRadio's critically acclaimed There Are No Girls on the Internet, and she's the director of communications of Ultraviolet and in conversation with Ashley Reese.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello. Uh, Thank you for that warm introduction. My name is Bridget Todd, and I am the producer and host of iHeartRadio's tech and culture podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. Uh, If you don't know what that podcast is... uh, We really are interested in telling the story of all the ways that people who have been traditionally and historically marginalized. So people of color, queer folks, trans folks, black folks, all those amazing people who make the internet what it is. We're really interested in telling the story of the ways that we show up or do not show up online, on the internet, and in technology. And what that often really looks like is folks who are living at the intersection. And the guest that I am so excited to bring on is no exception. Uh, Ashley Reese is a writer and cultural critic. She is as comfortable talking about politics and writing as she is t- tweeting about her hatred for mint chocolate, welcome Ashley Reese. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Rockin' the Telfizi. <laughs> I just realized, like,
4: why do I have all of my belongings with me right
0: now? No, I love it. I love it. Um, so I, I mean, I would feel, I would be remiss to not sort of start this conversation just acknowledging that we're in this moment that feels very heavy and very fraught for so many of us. And so I wanted to start by asking, actually, just generally as a person, how are you?
4: Um, <laughs> I feel like my response to that, whenever anyone's asked me that recently, is mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> just that um, noise.
4: Yeah, pretty much like. Full disclosure, and I don't want, like, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it sucks, but, like, literally in the last, like, month or so, found out my boyfriend's cancer came back. He's going to be okay. Got laid off from my job at Netflix. <laughs> um, Boo. And then was in the ho- I've been in the hospital with my boyfriend. He's, he's really going to be okay. He's fine. He just had surgery. It's fine. But, yeah, it's just, it's stressful. Like... <laughs> Um, so, and then you have like personal stuff on top of like, anytime I like check the news, it's like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) So it's like, um, so that's why my response is,
0: "Mm." yeah, that I feel, how many of you all out there can identify with that noise "Mm," when someone's like, how are you? Yeah. Seems like a lot of us. Solidarity. I got (laughs) it. I mean, that's a great place to start. You know, you are a prolific tweeter, a prolific (laughs) user of social media. She's a great Twitter follower. I definitely recommend following. Um, What role would you say that, especially when things are really dark and hard, what role would you say that social media has and how you are showing up and coping? Like, are you using social media to you know, find community or share resources or just, like, tweet memes and nihilistic jokes and gallows humor, like, or a combination? Like, like, what does it look like for you?
4: So, I mean, I'm not someone who's going to act like I'm above doom scrolling in these situations. I know that, like, there's always a tweet that's, like, you don't have to do this right now. You can, like, log off and take a break. And I'm, like, so right. And I'm just, like, scrolling, <laughs> scrolling. So true. And I'm just, like, retweet, angry tweet, retweet. So, you know, it's... It's kind of thing where like I know that um, social media can sometimes feel like the worst possible thing you can be on when something really fucked up's happening but um, I mean I guess if I do get some comfort from it it's from seeing that other people are you know just as angry as you are about something or like you know even if you're doing something practical like me screaming into the void about like gun control isn't maybe doing anything practical I'm not like yelling in Ted Cruz's ear not that that would do anything anyway but um, you know I guess if I have to do something practical it's like oh you see a GoFundMe for like a family that's like dealing with like the aftermath of like something devastating that happened like you know the, the school shooting the other day me retweeting that is doing and like donating is doing something 10 times more useful and is a more useful use of my time and energy than you know retweeting someone I agree with them. I'm like yeah that's the right take I agree like you know it's so I don't know social media is kind of a double-edged sword on that front and every other front
0: yeah that's I mean I completely agree and I feel like that experience I guess I, I when the sh- when the news of the shooting first happened I really caught myself going into this weird dark rabbit hole of Takes, like who has a bad take, who has a good take, and I I sort of caught myself and I was like, I'm in a place where. I'm not putting out anything that's going to be useful or thoughtful or good for anybody, and I should probably just log off.
4: Right, like, does me yelling at Matt Iglesias for his bad tweet, like, really do (laughs) anything? That was the tweet I was thinking about. Yeah, no, see, we, we, we knew it. See, it's like, it makes me feel good for a second to, like, dunk, but, like, he's not seeing it. My followers already agree with me. It's kind of like, okay, I'd had my little bit of, like, you know, just, I don't know, getting my anger out in this, like, very... We were pretty, but, I mean, again, I, I think that, like, it's really easy to kind of act like we need to be, like, above certain things. But, like, we're on the internet for good reasons and also deeply idiotic reasons. And sometimes I, you know, maybe it's not, like, a helpful thing. It's not more helpful than, like, sharing a GoFundMe for, like, a family. But, like, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with kind of getting your, like, you know, that angry energy out. If yeah. it's something a little mostly harmless... Like I think, like dunking on Matt Iglesias is mostly harmless. (laughs) So you know, it. I I don't know. That's I mean, social media again. It's like
0: the good stuff and the bad stuff. So you alluded earlier about, like, the reasons why certain folks show up online. What, like, what like what brings you to social media? Like, why are you someone who has a <laughs> prolific social media presence? What brought you to the internet in the first place? What is that, What have what those experiences been like for you?
4: I don't know. I think about when someone's like, what brought you to the internet? I'm like, I don't know, like, horny Draco Hermione <laughs> fan fiction in 2004. <laughs> like, yes. maybe that's what brought me there. Um live journal, which I still haven't, I've never deleted my account. It's like I have a completely like, you know, just a complete archive of every like crazy thing I thought about in 2004, like, so that's kind of fun. So, I mean, I feel like I had my natural progression of like blogging, and then, you know, you create your Facebook or MySpace or whatever, then you make your Tumblr, and then you spend all day on Tumblr. And then, I don't know, I kind of, you know, as we saw in the last presentation, some, somehow I just kind of fell off Tumblr and went to Twitter. And, and, so, and then you have Instagram. I don't, so, I don't know what briefing me to internet. I've just always had a big mouth. And I guess some people like to hear what I have to say. <laughs> um, well, thanks. So, like, that's when I think about, like, what brought me to internet. I think, like, fandom was a big part of it. I feel like if I wasn't involved in all these, like, fandoms and meeting people through like live journal and tumblr when I was in high school and college. Like I think I'd be pretty normy on the internet. Just like I'm on Instagram and here's like my dog or something like that. But no instead I'm like tweeting about like, remember this like weird fanfiction when we were like in seventh grade or you know, stuff like that. So I'm on the internet because of weird shit.
0: I mean that's that's what brought me to the internet. And that's actually one of the reasons why you know, I, I make a podcast about the internet and oftentimes it's about things like harassment and all the different ways that the internet fails. Oh, I know a lot about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will get into it. But yeah, I mean, I... what brings me hope about my experience online is weirdos. I really believe in the power of a collective (laughs) of people, weirdos who care about the internet, care about the health of the internet, care that they can express their weird interests on the internet. And I I believe in the power of those weirdos to make the internet a place where people want to spend their time.
4: I mean, I feel like the internet used to feel more like a, I mean... I don't know. Maybe this is, again, the perspective of someone who was, like, on LiveJournal a bunch all through high school and then was on Tumblr all through college and stuff like that. But I feel like, in a lot of ways, the internet has gotten bigger but also, like, smaller. Like, I feel like it's so much harder to find... To, like, not just find these, like, little enclaves of being, like, a weirdo, but also to feel, like, safe in them. Like, this that feels very, like, you know, gooey. But I mean, like, sincerely, like, I mean, I feel like... You can, like, I mean, in the live journal days, you can have your little community where you're, like, a literal, like, the live journal community where, like, you're, it can be, like, a locked community even. Like, you don't have, like, random people who just want to, like, harass you kind of, like, come in there. Um, on Tumblr, I do feel like it was a little more insulated, too. Like, yeah, like, sometimes something from a fandom I have no interest in would come across my page and I'd be like, well, what's going on over there? But, like, it wasn't a thing where I really felt involved in or had to get involved in. Now I can't, like, tweet anything about, like, anything without someone being like, wow, well, like... I say, like, I, yeah, I really fucking hate strawberries, and someone's like, well, I only can only subsist on strawberries, (laughs) so this is, like, really, really wrong of you to say. I mean, I just feel like it's, it's harder in some ways to have these spaces that don't feel like you're always in danger of the wrong people getting a hold of it, Um, but, yeah, I don't really know, like... I don't know, I feel like, I'm like 31 now, so I've been on the internet for like half my life. And (laughs) shout out to 31-year-olds. Yes, shout out to like being in your 30s. (laughs) And still being really online and still like reading fan fiction. Yeah, I agree. Um, no, like literally if I like open my like tabs on my phone, it'd be like AO3, AO3, AO3. Oh my God. I,
0: I'm so tempted to ask you to do that, but I, I won't mean, put you on the spot listen, unless you
4: want I, to. All I know is that like whenever I'm in a spot where like I'm feeling deeply like in a dark place or something, it's very nice to have that comfort of like, let's see what like bad fan fiction I can read right now. Just to like, you know, pass the time.
0: I love it. Let's take a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me, Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online, and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and use promo code No at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com/slash no girls and enter code no girls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash no girls, code no girls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS.
1: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant.
0: at our back. You know, we talked a little bit about this um, before we got started, but I think the experience of being a, particularly a black woman who has a pretty big platform and a pretty big digital footprint online. Which, I don't know how the fuck that happened. Yeah, you, I mean, you're hilarious (laughs) and brilliant. I'm trying to be humble. I'm like, (laughs) where where are you people coming from? (laughs) Um, But, you know, can you talk a bit about what that experience has been like for you? Like, I sometimes feel like it can be a tightrope and I I am very um, mindful of how I show up online because of it. I'm curious how it has impacted the way that you show up on online spaces. So, you know,
4: I can't act like this has all been bad to have, like, an audience. I mean, when I was... I had a GoFundMe to, like, raise money to, like, support our medical bills because when I got laid off, that meant that, like, my my boyfriend is insured through me and we're in America. So that (laughs) means that, like, your insurance is really, like you know in limbo so you know yeah having a big platform allowed me to like be able to actually like get a a good amount of money to be able to not worry about medical bills like i'm not going to act like i'm that's that's unimportant but also it gets to the point where like you know when i really am on i really was online because of online fandoms like that really is what kept me on these little corners of the internet and then you know i did like, you know, writing as my career, I did a lot of political writing. I, was, I mean, it's hard to not be political for me just in my like existence as a person. And I feel like, I don't know, something around the time of the 2016 election, I just got like a slew of people, which is like the wrong time to get a lot of attention. Um, and I don't know people just kept coming because I think that when you see that someone has a big like a lot like a large twitter following or something you're like oh this is a person worth following to follow and I'm like I don't know if I'm the right person for you guys I seem to be pissing you off every single day um so you know it's it's good and bad but in a lot of ways like I've had to be more mindful of like what I post like I try not to write anything too personal on, like, Twitter, for example, anymore because someone will always find some reason to, like, dunk on you. Or, like, they'll have screenshots and then, like, five months after you post something, they are like, huh, but what about when you said this? I'm, like, why is this in your phone? Like, you know, just to, like, pull up at the right moment um, some weird out-of-context thing. So, you know, I've had to be a little more sterile on that front. I'll still post, like... I'll still post some weird shit. Like, I mean, it gets to a point where it's like, I realize that like, I don't know, Amy Klobuchar follows me, but I'm like, am I really going to write about like, I don't know, like Dobby Hagrid fanfiction right now? Like a smile, like I'm like, I'm like, you know what? She, her people decided to follow me. This is what they're going to get. So, you know, and if, for those of you who know, you know, <laughs> if you know, you know, um, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. So it's, it's, it's strange, but you have to, I just have to be really smart about it so that people don't like, find my number and call me and yell at me, which has happened before.
0: Yeah, that's happened to you. Like, from things that you've written on Jezebel about certain elected officials, <laughs> yes. that that elected officials' fans found your, you and your partner's number and called you in the middle of the night to, to harass you.
4: Yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, so it's, like, things like that where you just don't really feel totally safe, but... Um, yeah i don't know now everything i'm saying is like ooh, is it worth having all these people following on the internet maybe not but i can't i mean i can't help it. i'm not gonna not have a big mouth anymore i'm just gonna be a little bit more selective about what i'm a big mouth about
0: yeah i so i love you know shout out to women with big mouths who <laughs> do not go. shut the fuck up i am i <laughs> may we raise them may we be them <laughs> Um, you know, speaking to of, of that, like, there is one topic, so I also have a big mouth, and I use my platform to talk about whatever I want, but there has been one topic recently that I have really not spoken up about, because I have seen the way that any person who speaks up about it sort of gets silenced and harassed, and that is the Johnny Depp Amber Heard cool. trial, right? So, like, yeah. I tweeted one thing, and then I quickly deleted it, and I have not tweeted anything since, but you're actually someone who really is vocal about it and, like, uses your platform to have conversations about it. And I guess I'm curious, you know, I love the internet and I'm hopeful about the internet, but when I think about the state of the internet, specifically for survivors, I'm so concerned that we're building an internet ecosystem where it's not okay for survivors to speak up. And I'm wondering, like, what do you think about that?
4: I think my main, I think my, like, initial thought is, like, I feel like that internet's been here for a long time. I feel like the, there's been like a movement of pushback against that because I feel like that's the default. The default is to silence survivors and to tell people to shut up and to you know do that. So I feel like there's been a movement to push against that, and I guess recently it's kind of felt like it's like faltered a little bit. You know, um, just add that to the list of things to feel like a little pessimistic about. I mean, I'm I'm ultimately an optimist, but like you see some of these like you know, I'm not a conspiracy theory, really, person, but, like, I can't even, like, look up, like, a how-to video on YouTube without being, like, suggested, like, five times Johnny Depp, like, totally, like, you know, owned Amber, you know, I'm just, like, I, I don't look up anything about this. I maybe, like, write the occasional, like, tweet about it, but, like, when it's, like, just being infected into, like, your feeds and everything, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's very aggressive and kind of scary. Um, I don't know. It just seems like there's so much regression on so many different levels that like, I think this is just one small part of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to be an optimist on the internet right now. I feel like you're either seeing something awful or seeing awful things happen to other people and all that stuff. But that's all, that's, I think that's the reason why I kind of do gravitate towards these, like, little circles I have that make me feel, like, again, like, safe seems like such a, feels like such a gooey word to me. But, yeah, like, when I see something, like, when I, sometimes I need to stop doom scrolling and be like, let me just, like, talk about something really goofy. Like, let me, like, reminisce with some, about someone, about, like, dash con with someone, you know, who gets it or something like that. Like, it feels nice to kind of have these, we we're basing all this, like, kind of like internet history to kind of fall back on to think of, like, oh yeah, there were times when the internet was just really funny and really fun and like goofy, and there are still those times. But I don't know.
0: Do you have a favorite goofy, funny internet moment that Ooh. sticks out to you, or just one that you that is memorable to you? God, that's a really
4: good question. Again, this is, we're going, we're talking about like fifteen years of like everything that's happened on the internet. I'm, like, I'm like going through my head, like you know. Um okay, well DashCon was obviously iconic. Anyone who was on Tumblr during DashCon knows that, that was maybe like the most hilarious three days on the internet. Um kind of sad, but like really funny. Um yeah, you know, someone asked me this recently, like what was like one of the funniest days on the internet? And I'm like, I don't know, is it inappropriate for me to say like when Trump got COVID? Oh, I remember that. <laughs> I'm sorry, not to, I'm not making light of that, but just like it was that was a wild night. We can't deny that it was a wild night, right? Like, whether that's appropriate for me, to, it was a wild night. And I remember I was still working at Jezebel at the time, and I was the only one who was like up that late. My editors were all asleep, and I'm like, I think I need to post this. I think I need to post this. What do I do? I don't know how to do it. Like, and like, I don't know, my one coworker who was like definitely like stoned in California was like, I don't know try it <laughs> I'm just like I'm just gonna post it and then that was, it was I don't know for some reason that was like a very dramatic moment for me where I'm like I gotta post the news um but uh yeah I, maybe I shouldn't say it was a funny day it was an intense day it was an intense night on the internet um yeah god if anyone I mean and also any just like weird fandom thing that's happened like I don't know I really look back on like some like I don't even have like favorite moments on the internet. I just have like really weird things I specifically remember and maybe five other people I know also remember. You know, like a weird like remember when like the supernatural fans were doing were like really into this one thing and like I wasn't even into the show but I knew about it. Like, you know, I don't know.
0: But, yeah. Why do you think that fandom has been such a a grounding experience about how you show up online? Like, what is it about fandom and you know, nerding out about niche things that has really solidified your online experience. I
4: think because that's where I met so many friends. Like, I, I've i probably... There are friends I met on LiveJournal when I was 16 that I'm still friends with to this day. We, like, hang out around, like, the city and stuff. And I think that if it wasn't for making friends through these mediums, like, make you know, I... I probably wouldn't care as much. It'd be really easy to kind of, like, have, like, a fleeting interest in something and just kind of, like, going off to something else. But, like, having friendships that you've developed on, over this really weird niche internet, like, phenomenon is, like, very special, I feel like. And not every... Most people, like, don't have that experience. And I think that's what has kept me on the internet. It wasn't, like, political commentary. It wasn't, like, making people mad on Twitter. It was, like, weird fan stuff that, you know put me where I am now, even if, you know, that's that's been my whole thing.
0: More after a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS.
3: elevate your grooming game with conair girl bomb available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you
0: at&t connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze
4: 10 more minutes to dream AT&T
0: let's get right back into it yeah and I wanted to talk briefly about sort of this I guess I, guess I feel like we're in this very weird moment when it comes to the internet, particularly around people who are traditionally marginalized. I know that you were among the people who were laid off at Netflix and Netflix had hired a lot of um, marginalized folks, so like queer folks, black women, um, and then laid a lot of them off. And I remember when that happened, the commentary that I saw that was sort of like, heh that's what you get, it was sort of either, A, it was like, well, what did you expect selling out You know, for a, a, big, a big platform like Netflix? Or B, like, oh, Netflix, you know, Go woke, go broke. This is what they get for hiring all these people to champion margin, you know, traditionally marginalized voices. I guess my question is, like, why do you think that platforms like Netflix and the internet seems to be this new kind of ideological battleground where people are really hashing out these partisan ideological fights on these spaces? And it's, it seems to be this sort of like push-pull for power. like Who has it? Who doesn't have it? Um, who can amass it?
4: I mean, what I can speak to just the, like, I mean, I can't speak to anything specifically about my situation, but, like, I guess I'm just increasingly fascinated by the kind of way that, like, again, I think that this just kind of goes back to how the internet is so much bigger but feels so much smaller now. Like, you just really don't have the same kind of privacy and enclaves that you used to. Anyone who's been online since, like, the 2000s probably understands what I mean, where you could really kind of have your own individual spaces talking about things, and this wouldn't be something that they're talking about on cable news, or that, like, you know, or a podcast or anything else. It wouldn't be, like, in the ma- in the mainstream. So I think it's just the... M- there are probably other people who can talk about this way better than I can or may- more eloquently. But, like, the kind of mainstreaming of the internet and mainstreaming of internet spaces, I think, has been probably one of the biggest things that we're seeing in the last, like, I don't know, decade or so. Like how these kind of things that used to be things that you just kind of talk about, you can only really talk about with a few people end up becoming like these huge cultural phenomenons. Um, sure, good things have come from it, but like, I don't know. There's something a little, there's something lost. There's something that's been lost, I think, in having these things kind of proliferate in the mainstream. Because yeah, there are ways in which they can be used for good. We're talking about like marginalized people. I remember just on Tumblr. Marginalized people talking about their experiences Talking about, like, just or just griping about something. Talking about, oh, well, why can't I find things that are in my size? Like, things like that. Like, those things, yeah, they became mainstream. And in some ways, it's been good. In some ways, it's just been, like, a you know, a magnet for harassment, a magnet for people dismissing you, a magnet for, like, you know, everything else. So it's, it really feels cliche to be, like, the internet's a double-edged sword. But, like, what else, how else can you describe it? It's been the place where I've found the most important people in my life and have also experienced some of the, some of the most, like, traumatic harassing experiences of my life you know it's it's something that's been like commodified it's something that's been like you know bought and sold and stuff like that it's just it's a weird it's a weird little place I guess
0: yeah I feel the exact same way and it makes me kind of sad because when I first you know I I feel like I grew up on the internet kind of like you I've lived most of my life on the internet in a lot of ways it's my hometown yeah and you know it makes me sad when I think about how I used to show up so hopeful and so excited. And, you know, I, I was, it really, the day that my parents brought me a computer, like this boxy gray nightmare of a thing that took up our whole fucking desk. And, you know, the day, the day that they brought that home, it was like they brought me a pair of wings. And it was just discovery. That's the whole, only totally. thing that I remember being the internet being about. And now, when I show up there, I'm so guarded. I'm so careful. I'm... I just don't want to be on the end of what you've just described—harassment, pylons—and it's just so much like really star-
4: bad faith, you know, attacks and stuff. Like, I mean, I, I, I think we're all kind of guilty of doing this. We're all kind of guilty of like the easy dunk. We're all kind of guilty of the like, look at this like dumb fucking tweet or like something like that or like something we think is like, we none of us are innocent in that regard. I'm definitely complicit. I've been a huge bitch on the internet before. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, I don't think we're above it. I don't think that all the harassment and everything is like new. I think that this has been happening for a long time now, especially over the last decade. But I do think just for me personally, it's kind of weird that it's gotten to a point where like, I regularly have to like lock my account in case like the wrong person gets it or in case like, I don't know some right-wing weirdo gets it and then it just goes into a complete other part of the internet that I don't know about. And it, yeah, you do have, I do have to be more guarded. I can't be quite as like, open about my personal life because people are weird. And you know, I wanna guard something. So yeah, I'll give them like the hot takes and I don't know, reminiscing about old smut fanfiction from like 2011. I keep talking about smutty fanfiction but really it's a really <laughs> big part of my life on the internet. Um, but like the other stuff I really have to keep closer to, you know, closer to the best.
0: Yeah. Do you, I mean, I guess that's, that's really brings me to one of my last questions. Like, are you, when you think about the state of the internet, especially for people who are traditionally marginalized, are you hopeful? Are you hopeful that it will be a place where folks can find their, their, find community and find their shared interests, whether it's politics or activism or, you know, smut. (laughs) Are you hopeful of the internet being like a place for self-discovery, particularly for people who are traditionally marginalized?
4: I think like, "Mm." it goes back to that kind of response. Or I mean, I I mean, marginalized people are always going to find communities online. And I think that that's like a really beautiful thing. I think that that's like important. I don't think that that should, I think, I don't think that, the bad stuff online has diminished. That people are always going to find whether it's like I don't know, whether it's people who are marginalized, whether it's people who are just like really into some like K-pop group. Everyone will go. All the stands will find you. Everyone will find their people. But I just think that gone are the days where you can kind of feel like you're insulated. And there was a comfort in being insulated. And now you can't even be like a weirdo online if like the wrong person finds it. And it's just like, look at these guys over here. And it's like, I'm just over here hanging out. Like, let me be weird in this corner. I'm not bothering you. So that's gotten harder with, you know, the internet just isn't as private as it used to be.
0: Yeah, I once interviewed this amazing internet historian, Claire Evans, and she said that Mm -hmm. it's interesting that the internet used to be where you went to be anonymous, and the real world was where you went to be like, who, like, who you totally. are. And now it's completely flipped. The internet is where you are, where you go to be like really manacled to your government name. And mm-hmm. the real world is where you go to experience anonymity. And it's so interesting that we're in this space where it's been completely flipped. Like back in the day when I was first exploring the internet, it felt like discovery and anonymity and like, you know, this is going to sound very cheesy, but like, the old days of like the hacker online and like black leather fingerless gloves. Like, and, like I'm logging on. Exactly like, right. Yeah. Like that was the internet experience that I feel like I was signing up for when I was younger. And these days, that that is a, a thing. Of, that is a, a fiction. That is no longer what we have. And I don't know. I don't know what that says about the state of the internet today and like how we all show up on it. But I I'm really hopeful to carve out those spaces that feel like discovery and joy and. Connection and anonymity—if that's what you want—and I'm I'm hopeful that we can really preserve that that feeling for the next generation online.
4: I hope so. I guess we need to find like a deviant art or whatever for like the Zoomers or something. (laughs) Again, if you know, you know. (laughs) Oh, I know. But, yeah, no, I think, like, you know, the internet, I would like it to be, I know, a place where, yeah, we're going to be able to have to share among, like, different spaces, but I would hope that it also can be more of a space for people can enjoy and har- can partake in harmless fun without feeling like they're going to be, like, violated,
0: you know? We deserve that. We deserve to have internet spaces where we can partake in whatever nerdy, harmless fun we want without Agreed. feeling like we're going to get violated. Exactly. Ashley, where can folks keep up with all the amazing stuff that you're up to?
4: Okay, you can follow me at offbeat orbit on Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that. I don't, I, I don't use Tumblr anymore, but now I'm like, maybe I need to go back. It might be time for a Tumblr revival. <laughs> like, I kinda peeked around for a little bit like a couple weeks ago, I'm like, okay, the girls are still on here, like really like causing havoc, like let's, let's tap in. So, you know, but also if you type in Ashley Reese anywhere, I should pop up, talk about an- lack of anonymity.
0: Like, <laughs> I'm at that point now. <laughs> Give it up for Ashley Reese. Thank you. Well, thank you all for listening uh, and thank you, Ashley, for being here. If you want to hear more conversations about the experience of being a traditionally and historically marginalized person online, you can uh, subscribe to my podcast on iHeartRadio. It's called There Are No Girls on the Internet and we would love to have you there. My name is Bridget Todd. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Goodbye. And if you want to talk about weird fan fiction, you can
4: also find me. I'm in the jumpsuit. Yes. <laughs>
0: If you're looking for ways to support the show, check out our merch store at tangody.com slash store. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just wanna say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangody.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangody.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Edited by Joey Pat. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women